0: Well, Chris. What's going on? Thanks a million for coming. Thanks for having me, man. Look at all Luke said. Oh, man, look. Didn't know which one to get? Absolutely amazing. But you went for the original, which was a bit amazed because the man has six packs and the whole fucking lot. <laughs> Watching your story sometimes, like when I watch Shane Flynn's story, I go home and I cry myself to sleep.
1: <laughs> it's all motivation, man. It's all motivation. So, Galway, man. Yes, indeed.
0: And how would you describe yourself? What kind of an artist? I, I can't tell whether you're R&B, rap. I don't think anyone can. <laughs> I don't think anyone can. How would you describe yourself? Um, I,
1: I don't, I, I kind of, right, right now I'm kind of leaning a lot towards hip hop and, and R&B, but I've been, I've been doing a few different genres and I try not to be stuck into a box when yeah. it comes to what I'm making musically. So, um, yeah, that's where. Galway, man. Indeed. From the
0: city. Yes. Uh, from a big family.
1: Um, I'm actually the I'm the youngest of five siblings, so yeah, big enough. Big oh, enough very of good. yeah, big family. So
0: that'd be a big family in the city. It, it,
1: yeah, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely it is, I guess. Yeah, for for a single mother, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and what was it like growing up? Um growing up was I suppose. Uh
1: it was absolutely madness to be honest with you from the beginning. Um I I'm from Ballonfoyle in in um Galway City which is kind of a council estate that's where I grew up and I lived there for the first couple of years of my life till I was about um, seven um, and then I was I actually moved down to the west uh, Westport in County Mayo for a couple of years um, and that was that was just a crazy couple of years your that whole was, family no so just just uh, Basically, so some of my family, my some of my brothers and sisters ended up staying in Galway, and myself, one of my brothers, and my mother, we moved down to Westport for a couple of years, like three or four years. So yeah, it was a mad what time. age were you? I them? was, I was, I was about. I was about seven, eight. Um, so my mother had just uh, split up with this man. We were actually supposed to move to America. Really, cool. funnily enough, from San Francisco. So uh, when we were about eight, my mum decided uh, it was just too much of a too big of a move to make with uh, so many small kids and stuff. So um, yeah, she kind of decided against it, and we ended up staying, staying, going. Oh, oh, actually, moving to Westport instead. Um, Why San Francisco? Because that's just where uh, the man she met was from. So he so was from he's actually from America, and she met him here in Goa while he was here temporarily. Well, in Goa, temporarily working. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it just kind of they they fell madly in love, and it just kind of you know it happened all really quick. And he's uh, he's still very very close, and I consider him my step pops now kind of you know. And still. is he
0: still out in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's uh, he's a uh, he's a cool dude. He's high up in the U.S. military and doing some cool cool things. So. Super
0: <laughs> army soldier. Super army soldier. Super army soldier. <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. <laughs> and. What was it like in school? How did you find school? And
1: stuff? Oh well, school. School was great. Um, primary school was okay. I mean, I spent a couple of years of my primary school years in Galway, and another couple of years in in Westport. Um, and by the time we moved back to Galway a couple of years later, I was um, I was going into secondary school in, in Galway. So it was a it, I've kind of jumped from school to school. Um, was been, that
0: hard, or did you find it, did you care? Um, no, it
1: didn't. It, it didn't really matter to me. Um, I, I wasn't happy, about obviously moving to another county, you know so that was always going to be tough and a, and it changed, you know, but, um, yeah, no, it's not something I wanted to do, but when you're eight, you don't really have much of a choice. What
0: did you do. think you wanted to do
1: when you were eight? I just wanted to stay where I was and, and do what I was doing and, you know, just not have to, you know, change the surroundings, but at the same time, too, I was... I was still very young and I really didn't
0: have a clue about anything.
1: So, you know, at the same time, I was just annoyed that I was being taken away from what yeah. I was used to and, and the friends I had made and had to rebuild all of that stuff. With,
0: that has to be difficult for kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree. You know, it's uh, it's always a tough thing to have to restart a whole new, you know, childhood and get to know new people and get to know a new school, new environment. Um, Yeah, so it's definitely, it's definitely not an easy thing to do.
0: And secondary school, what was that like?
1: Um, secondary school was crazy. <laughs> I was in the I'm the bish in Galway, it's a school right in the city. Um, I was never really good at school, and I, I, I was a bit of a troublemaker. Did one of those in the school teachers' offices all the time. Um, I eventually ended up getting expelled in fifth year.
0: Really? Yeah. What it. did you do?
1: Oh, uh, just it was just a build up of things. So, uh, please tell
0: me you had sex with a teacher. Please, <laughs> no. it's, it's even light me. Light me.
1: <laughs> no, fortunately, it was nothing too crazy like that. But it was just, yeah, years and years of just build up of me just taking the piss. Yeah. Just taking the piss completely. You know? So, just,
0: did you get in trouble for that now? Yeah. When it, you go home?
1: No, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, my big brother had to come and pick me up the day it happened. And because my mum wasn't available, I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to go down well. Did he give you an old slap? <laughs> no, not that time, but yeah. Sure. Look, there's been plenty of them over the years. <laughs>
0: so, what did you do when you left school?
1: Um, straight away, I was actually only 16 when I left school because I started early. So, I actually started working in a kitchen and kitchen porter. Hmm. So, as soon as I was 16, all my mates were still in school and they were all still doing their thing. And I was, I left and I started. Uh, I was watching, washing dishes in the kitchen and making bank. Just yeah, getting the getting the getting the bag together. You know, and, and were you?
0: musician Were you like musically interested at that time? Were you playing an instrument? Were you no, uh, singing? not No. So even at sixteen?
1: W- no, nothing at all. So I was. I was a late bloomer with music. It's. It's. It's a crazy story because well, it was always in my family. Like my brother used to dance around the kitchen listening to Michael Jackson records and with the hat on and all that stuff. And you know,
0: Shmow. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> all of that stuff. And my, and my father was a was an, apparently a great musician. I don't know too much. Um, he wasn't in my life for very long, but he was apparently in bands and a really good musician as well. With, with in my family, so it's always been in my family, and I was in choirs in primary school and stuff like that when I was growing up. So I, I was kind of dibbling and dabbling in bits yeah. and bobs, but I was never fully involved in it in any proper way until very late in my life. It was actually I was twenty before I started doing music. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Fuck off. <laughs> That's hey, so
1: annoying. Yeah, yeah. So it was late. It was late. I actually, uh, like, I was working in Tesco, uh, in Tesco, doing the night shift, the graveyard shift from like 12 o'clock at night to 8 a.m. And that's where I wrote my first song with headphones on.
0: All right. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> so yeah. you don't play any music. Yeah. You never sang in public.
1: Uh. Well, uh, yeah, choir stuff. No, not really. No,
0: no. And you're just, you're in Tesco, packing mm. your shelves in Yorks, and you go, oh, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> like wrote lyrics <laughs> yeah
1: it seems like it was a bit random like that but it just um, you know it just came very naturally and obviously I've, I've been through kind of a, a good bit growing up and I've, I've always been a pretty deep person so it was kind of a it was an outlet for me to kind of you know get the shit out of my head Mm. that it was in my head you know I just wanted to so I didn't really think oh I'm going to start doing music now and start writing this song and become a a major artist or anything like that I just I was just in a shitty place and I was just like I need to just you know pen some of this stuff down and see how it goes and I wrote some lyrics and uh, I started I was living in a house with a few mates at the time and one of the guys had a studio and I was actually sleeping on the floor of the studio at the time because we were roughing it like it was a house Mm. full of loads of us we were partying all the time and um, one, of our, one of my friends had a, had a studio and he was bringing artists up and he was recording with them. And for years I was wanting to learn to play the guitar. So eventually I just started stealing my housemate's guitar and bringing it to my room and learning how to play guitar chords co- on, on YouTube. So I taught myself how to play like six or seven chords and, and I kind of just stopped learning stuff then and kind of wrote my own stuff straight away. I didn't even try to learn like... Oasis or any of that kind of stuff. I just just your own thing. Straight away, the first thing I did was put four chords together that I felt were mine, and just started writing, and and obviously the lyrics I had written too. And I- are you lyrics first, then melody? It can be different every time. I mean, you know, uh, sometimes now, now it's very uh, routine because I've got my own studio um, at home and stuff like that. So I sit down and, like, you know, I, I kind of I'd be making beats for ages, and then because I'm able to do all that in one place, I can then just I can make a beat and then I can record the lyrics. So I'm in a comfortable place. But and
0: you self taught yourself that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm so I'm self taught everything I've everything I'm doing right now. So,
0: so how did you go from? in a room, playing with someone's guitar, putting <laughs> a few four or five cards to a song to go on, hey, lads. What do you think it is?
1: Yeah, that's, that's literally what happened. Literally the exact situation. So I went into the the guys were in the studio, and I, my very first song is with a is with a an UK artist. He used to go by the name of Lexi. He's one of my best mates now. His name is Jordan, and he was actually with one of the guys that was recording some rap songs in the studio with my friend at the time. So I was like, wow, this is uh, this is exciting. So I actually walked into the studio while they were recording one day, and I go, guys, what, what do you think of this? And I had the hook written for the song, and I just go, oh the world, and I sang it for them or whatever, and they go that's actually really good and then straight away the producer my friend he was like record that down let's record the guitars and then the rapper Jordan was in it ended up rapping two ver- writing two verses and rapping on it Great. yeah so I, I had the chorus and my own verse and the guitar chords and then within a day like a couple of hours we had the song made and that gave you the bug down and yeah and then we just put it out and it got like at the time this was like you know, two thousand eleven. Uh this was we put the song out and it got like thirteen thousand views in, in a week and we were like, wow, this is crazy. That was con- kinda of viral back then, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Wow, maybe this is something that I, I could do. And yeah, it just kind of it was pedal to the floor from that from that That was it. Yeah straight on. Peddled to the floor from, from that point, yeah.
0: So can you remember the first time that you sang in public?
1: Oh wow. Uh, prob- prob- probably at house in that very house at house parties, <laughs> singing Oasis pissed. <laughs> and that was kind of the yeah. So the-
0: how did you turn it into um like how did it get serious? How did or was it just wow.
1: years of so so I'll tell you it's crazy so very very early I, it was very 1011 and it was very early i was still only a budding artist at this point i was still only relatively rusty on the guitar still but i had i had already written and, and recorded an album <laughs> at this point i had my friend who was a producer and he he was able to record me at the time i didn't have the knowledge so i actually so I was like yeah let's re- let's write and record an album and put it out and I was by no means as uh, you know an, a, as an established musician artist at this point point. and I, I can't even listen to the songs now but I threw my myself headfirst into it and I was like look yeah I'm doing this and uh we made the album and it just kind of yeah from that point it it got really serious because from that album I ended up getting the an original Rude Boys support uh support tour which was their guy kind of a R&B kind of pop band from Dublin that were doing really well at the time hmm. and uh, the guys actually offered me to go on an Irish tour with them, 12, 15 dates I think in the month of December 2013.
0: Just, that's a big jump. Yeah,
1: so like literally from two years from never having written a song to never being involved in anything to just being on an Irish tour with the original Ruboys Boys and playing Sold Out in the Olympia. and. Are you nervous? Yeah, but it's yeah. I, I was, but yeah, but but I'm I'm not. I'm I'm kind of someone to throw myself straight into things when I'm, you know, especially when I'm passionate about it. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, I'd be I'd be yawning backstage as a nervous tendency type of thing. I'd be yawning before I go on stage, and then I get on stage and it goes away. You know, so it's a
0: uh, that's yeah, mad.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a thing. But uh, it, it, over time, obviously, that got a little bit less. And then literally a month later after that tour, I got offered to support Coolio. So I supported Coolio That's cool- how you met him. That's how I supported Coolio in minute, Min- Min- yeah. And what was, was that like? That was crazy. We what know. was he like? That was nuts. He got he was the coolest dude ever such a pleasure, honour obviously we've just lost him in the last mm. couple of years so it's just such a loss so um having got to spend time with him and, and get, get messed up with him Did you? Yeah we got he came off the stage and he handed me a bottle of Grey Goose vodka and he was like yo Chris look let's go get messed up bro I was like yeah this is class <laughs> one of my idols and he had like the whole crowd chanting my name at the end of Gangsters Paradise Stop Yeah crazy like nuts I was just like wow this." I have videos somewhere on
0: Facebook or one of those things from And those rappers are they at a different level than performers? Like Yeah
1: I mean like Coolio was kind of coming near to the end of his touring career at that point well maybe not the end of it but he was certainly you know starting to on the, on the descent so he wasn't touring as much and stuff like that so uh, he was actually on a little European tour and he was in Russia and stuff like that a few days before but by the time he got to Ireland you could see it was, t- it was taking his toll on him you know did he give you any advice? Oh well, I mean, like oh, we did, we did so so. I don't know what what we're allowed to say, but we got it, we got it messed up. We got them so high, it was crazy. We got him <laughs> we got them on the whiteies. We got them. You had to go out and get air and all sorts of crazy. Like it was nuts. Well, you
0: like, don't want well to get your messed <laughs> up <with yet. laughs> yeah, I said yeah. that wasn't supposed to first blunt. Yeah, exa-
1: exactly. So we were like, I was like, this is crazy because I was still like, like, bear in mind, I'm still only two years into the into this industry.
0: How did you get that gig?
1: So I got it. I got a, Obviously, I hooked up with this promoter guy who was obviously putting these gigs together together and that's who got me the original Rude Boys tour and uh, obviously who got me the Coolio gig as well so it just kind of happened very quick it was basically just knowing the right people as, as you know being in the right place at the right time and obviously it's all about who you know like who
0: you know gets you there and how good you are keeps you there right. So what did you do then? So oh, after so your first album and you listen back to it and you're there like you you look at it now and you go oh my god yeah, I can't I, li- I you can't listen to it no. and do no musicians ever go back and go, Oh, I think what I know now, I'll take them songs and I'll make them better. Or do you just go, Oh, no, parent them, yeah, that's it, and move on.
1: Exactly that. So this is what people say this shit to me all the time. So they're like, Why don't you go back and record over and over? Or cause some of the songs did really good, but they were really shitty quality. Cause we were just learning how to do hmm. how to record properly, doing home studio shit, all that. So um like, you know, I listen back to them now and they're just like, oh, I I just it's so bad. So, but people are always like, why don't you re record them? And then other people are like, nah, they just wouldn't have the same effect. I think, you know, they came out when they came out and they sounded how they sounded. And I think they're just best to leave them where they are and just continue to move forward and just make it part of the legacy. Yeah.
0: Do you find it hard to write songs now? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Because be I, I've not, your older stuff was mm-hmm. more singing. Yeah. And then your new stuff, you get shit out. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when you're rapping, you, you, you remind me of NF. Okay, yeah, I love NF. He's dope. He is so good. Yeah, yeah, and it's like everything's quick and everything's fast. Yeah, you don't use. I think uh, a lot of Irish artists, rappers, are using that heavy Irish accent. Yeah. When it's unnecessary,
1: well, look, unnece- whether it's unnecessary or whatever the case may be, for everybody else has wrong, Every it's it's subjective, you yeah. know, that kind of way. When I look at it, but for me, um, I've had to like when because I, I went on tour in two thousand and eighteen in America, and I I literally booked my own tour. I was like, I'm going on tour in America. I don't give a shit who's getting in my way. I'm doing it. I got an O-1 visa. Go back again. How do you do that? Oh, bro, this was that was like I was just I went on holidays to New York <laughs> in February two thousand and eighteen. And then I, by the time I came back, I was like, by the time I got home, I was like, I'm coming back to here as soon as possible on tour or for business or to do something quick. It was my first time in New York on holidays. So I went home uh, after February and I had the tour booked and I was gone again on tour. How do you book it? Do you ring people? So I was my own booking agent. I was my own artist manager. I was my own everything. I was my own lawyer. Forgetting the contracts, I spent three and a half thousand dollars getting a no-one visa so I can gig and work over there. And um I had to get onto immigration, fill out, file all the forms. And then I had to obviously speak to all the booking agents so I can only be in America when I've got contracted work, you know, visa-wise. So who helps you do all this stuff? So I did all this myself at the beginning. For a 16-year-old left school, <laughs> <laughs> learned an awful lot of thing, things quick. Well, I mean, like, you know, for me, it was a case like, you know, um, Look, it's it, it's not it's it's a crazy industry to be involved in, and it's a, it's an expensive industry to be involved in. For me, it became to the point where I was paying people, everybody. I was paying thousands and thousands of euros and dollars to people who were doing stuff that I I was capable of learning to do myself. So I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm putting all this shit aside, and I'm going to go and learn how to produce my own music, or to write, record, engineer, mix, and master." And um, like you know, learning to mix and master my own song saves me four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks per track. So you know, if I do a 16-song album, that adds up. You know, just from. But make- did you
0: have to spend an awful lot of money to get all that equipment at home?
1: Well, it was just a, it was kind of an accumulation over over years. Um, yeah, but you you know it's like anything you have to you have to invest in yourself to kind of you know to make to see a profit back in return and obviously to be self sufficient. As you guys know, what you're and all the right what you're doing here, it's a, you just you need to have self sufficiency in your own your own setup, and you need to know that you can move without having to need permission from left or right, or you know you just need to be able, when you get an idea, you need to just be able to bounce on it.
0: What was it like gigging in America?
1: It was nuts, and it, it, it was. Uh, Exciting! I was just like you know, there were small, there were small jazz venues, like kind of clubs and stuff like that. They weren't major. So I, one or two of them are actually cl- a class. I can't remember the name of the place in Chicago I played, but it was an Irish venue, and it was it was dope. It was a proper big venue, and
0: you're going out on stage. They don't know you. You're just yeah.
1: Well, a lot of them didn't. Like we did as much. Uh, I did as much promotion as we as we could, and with the with the promotion teams of each venue leading up to the to the shows. But you know, aside from that, you know, we only had it was what it was and you know I was trying to uh, off the back of being over there on on tour I was trying to get loads of radio interviews in every city I was in and loads of media coverage and all these different kind of things when I was there so yeah I was doing my best to promote the tour while I was on the tour you know that kind of way so I was like I was trying to secure meetings and interviews and all of this different stuff so it wasn't a sold-out tour by any means or any any of that stuff, but it was just something I needed to do for me. Um, You've done
0: all this, nearly bypassing the Irish music industry and doing it all yourself.
1: That's been that's been the goal. So you're kind of touching on something that I'm pretty pa- like not that I'm passionate about bypassing it. It's just it's unfortunate that I have to bypass it. Yeah. But yeah, it's something that's you know very front fold for me right now with all the companies I'm I'm building and um, the infrastructure that I'm putting in place and what I'm kind of trying to put together. How
0: much? You've loads of stuff going on. Yeah, and it's (laughs) (laughs) like like, you're you're putting up stories, and I'm. I watch you. you see. I first started listening to your music, Mm -hmm. and then I started following you. Okay, and as I'm following you, I'm there. He's a lot going on, and like he's as frustrated with social media and the industry as I get frustrated with my industry and my media. Absolutely, and I'm there thinking I can't wait to pick his brain (laughs) because (laughs) the music industry is a kind of cesspool. Oh, and it's a pay-to-play kind of a thing.
1: Well, I mean, the people will tell you that it's not, but yeah. But I mean, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Just for instance, I was just like, we're now doing, as a record label, we're now doing direct partnerships with the likes of Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that so we can cut out. So my goal is cut out all middlemen. Hmm. So distributor distributors all the rest of that we're doing direct partnerships. So with
0: people these. come to you if they want to release music. Yeah, or potenti- what way does that
1: Potentially, work? Uh, I'm actually I'm not to go too deep in it because none of it is actually solid. But I'm actually working to try and acquire a, a major distribution company with over three three million artists and, and record labels on it right now at the moment. So we have a bigger infrastructure. But right now, remedy my company. We're we're doing a direct distribution partnership so that anybody on our label and on, a, on our team, we have direct. Uh, contact with all the major DSPs, and we also have the partnership to be able to secure marketing opportunities for releases going forward, and all of this different stuff. And we were speaking to Apple Music, and basically you, you you see when everybody goes around and they've got like a billboard in Times Square and shit mm. and everyone's like oh look at this this is crazy shit you know whatever and Apple Music and these kinds of teams they have allocated budgets for you yeah. know for that they can do for bigger artists but I was able to come to Apple Music the other day and say listen if we come to you with our own budget can you guys do that to, for us and just put your Apple Music logos on it and you guys do it and they go absolutely so you know what I mean. So they, they, that, that was finding that, back doors. And stuff. It was just like you know, because it was a point. Because for for me and for us, right now, I'm just like, I'm sick of people trying to gatekeep, and and one of my one of my. Key, one of my biggest strengths right now is finding the inf- contact information for people who don't want to be contacted. <laughs> 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 to, to put it in the nicest way possible. So, uh, you know, um, you know I, I can get in front of everybody and anybody, and I'm talking to everybody from the I have personally met. Is that
0: neck and balls or skill?
1: It's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. I have everybody from the Rock's personal email address to Jay Z's, everybody's. I've gotten, I've managed to figure out ways to get them all. Um, Not through anybody handing them to me, but they've figured out ways. And it's just, you know, I've had to do this because my hand has been forced to do these kinds of things and learn to do these things because. Everybody's every everyone's trying to close a door in your face, and everyone's like, "Nah, fuck! All, I can't patch you onto to that person because you're not doing as well as we want you to be doing." Or blah, blah blah blah, and I'm just like, no nah, f-
0: fuck all of that." What is the most frustrating door that was thrown in your face that you can remember <sighs> that made you go, oh fuck oh. this shit." like
1: like I, I mean, like it's a I kind of had a bit of a minute there, like you know, a couple of years back when I made my last album, Streets in My Mind. Now I haven't released any music in over a year and a half because I've just been focusing. I've just finished a, a brand new album and I'm just back from America. We were over there meeting major record labels. There's a ton of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes on that end. But um, you know, I was very frustrated with the Irish music industry for a long time. You know, here and um, you know because I felt like the only place I could actually make moves or chase what I was doing was here. Mm. In Ireland, and and then I was obviously able to figure out that there's there's a bigger industry and there's a bigger world out there that we can reach out to and touch base with. And then obviously, I was frustrated for a long time and I didn't have the right team on board. And I never realised how important having legal representation in the music industry is. And I'm I'm pretty good I'm pretty good friends with um, Ed Sheeran's manager Stewart, so I was able to reach out to him one time in an honest moment and and being able with my hands up and being like, listen. I feel like I'm putting out the right music. I feel like I'm making the right moves. I'm getting radio play. What am I doing wrong? Why am Why am I getting, you know, the labels Traction. interested? Why is the, Why is it not happening for me? He goes, Listen, who's your lawyer? And I go, I didn't. Fucking, I don't fucking have a lawyer. Why do I need a lawyer? He goes, Lawyers open and close all the doors. They signed all the dotted lines on every deal. They're the ones with all the contacts. So really? I, so I was like, Oh shit, that's something I didn't know, right? And this is crazy because I was on this while I was on tour in Boston. Ed actually played the Gillette Stadium the day after me and so they invited me along and put me front row in, and I, that's how when I was able to pick uh, Stuart's brain on the whole thing. Mm. And then he goes get a lawyer. So me being who I was, and it, me being who I am, anyway, I don't just try to get the smallest lawyer. I co- I go for the biggest. Big <laughs> yeah. You just because, why not? Like you know. Um, so I ended up getting one of the biggest music lawyers in the game on board with me. Um, he's How much the, is he an hour? He's not cheap. <laughs>
0: think Are we in the highs uh, in like
1: four or five yeah, he, numbers? Yeah, he's, he's like he, yeah, he's like a thousand good an hour. Or Fuck, so me. He's, he's not cheap. But listen, it's it, you know, it's. Um, Great thing about American lawyers is that they work on the back end. <laughs> uh, well, some of them. And uh, the second thing is that he's been able to. He's been key. And um, he's the first, mate. Like he's he's massive. He's done all the biggest deals from getting the Grammys, um, doing the deal with CBS to being aired on that show. You know, he's he sold EMI to some of the biggest, the, some of the biggest record deals that have been done in the industry. He's been the spearhead so, of all. So of them.
0: when you meet him, what do you say to him?
1: So I was like, I I open, came to him just honestly, and I was like, Joe, listen, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing and I said this is my music and I would love if you could get on board and uh, you know help me open these doors and get shit moving because you know I was getting frustrated at this point and then he got, I cu- I couldn't believe that he said yes because I had all of these lower level lawyers saying nah sorry you need to be at a different level before we can get involved and you need to be here and you need to be there and then the biggest lawyer in, the, in America says fuck yeah I'll take you oh. and I, I was like this is crazy. I was like, "Dope!" So this this helps this helps things massively moving forward, and it definitely helped open doors and give me legitimacy um, in the industry in the states and stuff like that. The first question everybody would ask when we'd reach out to them is, uh, "How are you connected with Joel?" You yeah. know, yeah, whatever you know. So it's like you know, he, he having the right, it's it's literally how, who you know is extremely important, and obviously yeah. how good you are will help you stay there. So yeah, that's kind of
0: that's kind of where it went from. So that. who's Think they have to suck in Ireland to get all over the radio? Oh my! my like uh, I don't understand it. Like you, you have some fair tracks now. So okay, so
1: the the thing I w- I was making, I was on every radio station in Ireland at one point here for probably be prop maybe before you found out who I was, but maybe possibly might have been just before that. Says I'm twelve years in this game now, so for the first like for a lot of time I was like the most one for I was the most played Irish, I was and on Irish radio, hmm. and I had you know top forty albums and top ten singles and number one singles and had. All all of that, and I was getting great support here. I was on all the media support, and um, it was amazing. And things were going really, really well. And um, I just kind of hit a certain stride and period in my career where that just kind of seemed to just dip off. And um, um, you know, I was I was a bit um, entitled. At the start of my career, if I'm being honest, you I, were. I was. You taught, this is it. I'm. I've no. Made it. Yeah. Well, it was kind of like in. You know, I was kind of like I. I deserve this, and I. You know, and I realized I don't deserve shit. You know, you kind of like I realized that as time goes on. You know, everybody's got to work for the shit, and I was a little bit more. I was a little, probably a bit entitled, more entitled than I should have been, in my earlier stages of my career, which kind of maybe you know burned a couple of bridges in you know in the industry here for me, but. <laughs> Um, as time went on, and I and I learned about humility, and you know, you know, learning to how to do the how to operate in the business properly, and how to build relationships and not destroy them, um, then I really started seeing things moving forward in the in the right way, you know. So uh, yeah, it, it takes. It's like anything. It's a learning curve, and you got to you got to get better, and you got to figure shit out. And <clears throat> obviously, you know, I, I've always been a very emotional kind of you know fiery kind of person. So I get, you know, I, I that led me down the bad, like, you know, Mm. argument paths and stuff like that when it shouldn't have been. Now I'm a lot more calm and composed in in these kind of, you know, situations, so. What was your favorite gig? Oh, man. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of cool gigs, Um, but it probably has to be... I, it's either Coolio supporting Coolio, or it's when I played uh, when I played the Olympia sold out with the Ru Boys because that was special because that was sold out. It was like you know fifteen hundred people. Shit went crazy on stage. I actually messed up because I use a loop pedal. I used to use a loop pedal on stage, and I kicked the cable out of the power cable on the on stage, and the whole sound just went boom,
0: oh, and
1: the whole thing was like 13, 1300 people, and everyone was like wow. So the crowd kept going anyway, and I managed to plug the shit back in, and it gave a big huge bang, and it blew the sound system, and came back on. But I recorded. And, and managed to get around it, but yeah, look, it, it was a it was a crazy experience, but I loved every minute of it. But yeah, for me, I uh, haven't been doing enough uh, gigs. I'm right, right now. I'm actually I'm working on getting on a million different uh, bigger tours across the US, so I can kind of you know help you know build my profile over on that side side of the water and stuff. So is
0: that kind of where it's at? US.
1: For, for me, that's where I'm focusing. Um, I mean, like I've been chasing the UK the UK scene here as well for a while, like, you know, and I've had a I've had a lot of meetings and relative success. I've been playing on BBC Radio a few times in the past and Radio X and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, for me, I just feel like with my team being based, in, with my lawyer being based in America and with my team being based there and I just think there's a much bigger demographic in America for what I'm doing and for me to secure the traction I'm looking for.
0: Is there a better buzz out there? Oh, it's crazy out
1: there. I love it. Like I'm um, when I'm when I so like I said, I was just out there For two weeks, I was supposed to go to the Grammys, but I didn't actually get it because I'm a member. Last year, I just became a member of the Recording Academy in in the Grammys. Boom! Yeah, so that's pretty dope. So so, yeah, um, that's cool. So now I'm allowed to go to the Grammys and we're allowed to vote on the Grammys and we're allowed to submit records for the Grammys and so on and so forth. So um, I was supposed to go to it because we were over there shopping my record to the record labels Mm. um, in New York. Um, and I was obviously supposed to fly out to LA, but that got changed. So I'm actually flying out to LA in a couple of weeks' time again to uh, make more meetings happen. So
0: you do a lot for for an artist, mm-hmm. right? You you promote. You're really good at. oh, I have new music and singing. Mm. Would you tell no one how many moves you make? No, because you're very you're, <laughs> like you're really, you're you're cryptic on that. Yeah. But when you're watching, go, like, oh, this fucking lad's doing shit.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that's how it comes across. Right?
0: But do, do you find <clears you mean throat> Instagram what? what how do you use Instagram and TikTok as a tool? So
1: I was very active on them to the point where I was giving people too much information, you know, and I, I just kind of feel uh, sometimes, in, especially with what we're doing in, in media, you know, when we have to promote ourselves. I think fig- I, I just from years of doing, it, I think fig- I just realized people getting shit forced on their throat, like promote, like, check this out, check this out, check this out, just kind of made them go Bleh. It's mm. too much. Stop forcing shit down our throats, kind of thing. So, yeah. um, I learned. Uh, I went hard on TikTok and shit when it came out because I just need. I got a good following on it, and I st- started generating some numbers. And I just went
0: hard on it. And I was, you know. Um, they were them mashups you've done. You know, where people that do music and you do rap on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were really good. Yes. Yeah, so did you just, make up that? Yeah. No, well, I didn't make it up. No,
1: the TikToks are they're kind of duets, basically, that are on TikTok. And anybody that puts up music, you can kind of just duet the video and jump on and do a rap or whatever. But well, where was
0: it. the rap? Well, did you make up the rap? Yeah, yeah. Just write
1: the raps. So I'll just like, I'll see some dope video where someone's made some kick ass beat and I'll be like, oh, that shit, that sounds dope. So I go and I'll just start writing a verse to it with it on in my headphones. and then Just kick. like that? Yeah, then 10 minutes later, I'll just record the TikTok and just throw it up. Type thing, you know that's impressive yeah. well like I mean I've got like I've got like a book you know that's see when I'm writing songs I write a full song but like when it comes to the TikTok verses I only write like 8 and 16 bar verses so I've got like a book full of verses that probably you know never see the light of the day again Or I may get added to a song at some point possibly
0: <laughs> do you know me. when you you do raps <clears throat> right and like you have a few that are real, real fast real long yeah. like can you remember all them when you're singing
1: well, I, I I try I try my best. <laughs> Do you ever
0: forget and just make it up?
1: Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. Well, it's ha-
0: it's it, it, little cat fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
1: it's not so bad uh, when you're doing TikToks because you can stop and when you yeah. when you fuck up like and, and you can redo it again. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not so bad then. But you know, live, I've I've messed up lyrics loads of times and forgotten them, and yeah, that happens. You just got to improvise and just repeat the last words you just said twice or some shit. And no one probably knows. No, nah, no one ever knows. Turn the music up. Yeah, yeah. Turn the music up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, because people just are enjoying themselves. They don't, the the small things that artists and musicians notice when they're on stage, like someone hit a bum note on the guitar or whatever the case may be, that will eat their soul alive. And like nobody in the crowd even noticed a thing. You
0: know? are, you, are you a perfectionist with your music when you're putting an album together or something? Um, I
1: I would now I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty like you know I go all the way so especially because so I have to wear so many different hats in the in the song making process so at the beginning I have to be a songwriter so lyrically you know um I have to be a producer so I have to make the beat and um, I have to be a composer I I have to be an engineer decide what instruments are going to take the lead where you know the vocals should sit and then I have to be a mastering engineer so that requires listening to the song with a different set of ears again so there's so many different there's so many different aspects to what there's so many people are doing right now I mean this like you know producing and there's so many different amazing talented artists doing it right
0: now and do you have anyone helping you? no And when you listen to a song over and over, do you just get burnt out listening to it? And by the time it's out, everyone thinks it's great and you're like, oh no, uh, I'm sick of it. Yeah,
1: that's pretty much every song, every artist. Yeah, well, I don't know about every other artist, but when I'm speaking for me, yeah, that that, that happens like all the time. Because you spend, I've just spent a year making an album that I am now sick of listening to and when it comes out it's going to be fresh and new for everybody else but I, I have heard the stuff I've heard it for a year a million times you know a million times especially being the one who writes and mixes and masters it and comp- you know it's just constant so I have to take ear breaks from when I'm doing it so yeah I mean it took me like I really went into the depths with producing this album and I've been listening to the likes of some of my idols like Dr. Dre and all these different guys listening to the, the sonics of their records and trying to get my shit sound in
0: Who's your favourite artist?
1: Oh that's that's such a hard question to answer. I just don't even, it's such a broad, I don't have, I don't know, I don't even think I have a favourite artist.
0: Because If of, I was to say, you were to listen to a full album of Backstreet Boys, <laughs> would you die inside <laughs> or would you go, well, not too bad?
1: If there'd be one or two, I'd probably yeah. laugh that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, I think we could all say that. But <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, like, right, I, I, I kind of have a weird relationship with music. So, yeah, um, Especially when I'm making music, I don't listen. I tend to not listen to a ton of other music when I'm making my own records. But when I do listen to music, I kind of tend to find a batch of, like, 10 songs that I go fall crazy in love with and then I listen to them. Like, I burn them out for, like, three months. And then I'll just move on to another 10 songs and just kind of keep doing that. So I've kind of got a love affair thing going on with songs right at the minute where I just burn them out to the point where I can't listen to them anymore and move on. Um... But I'm finding myself going back to a lot of the older stuff now, the older hip-hop. Do play stuff. piano as well? I do. I do. How,
0: how long did it take to learn that?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an amazing piano player, but I can play and compose and write all my songs. And it's something I'm still learning to get better and better at every day. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's been ongoing. But I've been trying, I've been doing it for,
0: must be for five years now. So, do you know the way you got into lay. Yes. Your family aren't musicians. Yeah. Obviously the friends you went to school with and went to Tesco with are not musicians. Was <laughs> yes. well, it a lonely road or was it a lonely road?
1: You know, uh, yes, it, it it is and it, it it is a lonely road and it has been from the beginning. At the beginning there was, you know, I had a couple of friends on board, but you know, when it gets when it starts to move forward and, you know, it was it's always been my vision. You know, it's been driving the been the driving force behind what the movement and everything we're doing mm. moving forward. And I understand that it's not possible for everybody to have that same level of excitement and and involvement in everything, if it's not their vision or their goal, yeah. So I I fo- I, fo- I found a lot of people, a lot of my friends, and anybody that was on board has fallen fallen off kind of the ship, and I've kind of had to just continue sailing forward on my own. And a great analogy I
0: heard once was it's hard to get people to stay on the bus when you're driving it hard. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I mean, this is it. They just want to get off. Yeah, this is it. You know, and I say, I even said as well as like it's easy for everybody to want to jump on an already sailing ship, but it's the hard part is getting it out of the docks mm. you know what I'm saying so it's kind of like I know as time goes on and you know as, as more success happens everyone's going to want to be involved because I'll be able to put them in positions you know and that's, and that's okay because I'm my goal has always been to you know my goal is to build a house for my mum and you know pay off her mortgage and let her live comfortable that's like that's my drive that's my Driving force. That's that's what that's the shit that keeps me motivated. Like you know, she's struggled her whole fucking life to to raise all of her, all of her kids and get us where we are. And she's literally she's my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. It took it took it took a little while to get my family over the line of the support and thing with me. It's a, it's it's, a, it's some a,
0: cool music rap songs about your mom.
1: Yeah, stuff. I mean yeah. So like my mom is like my number one. You know, she's my she's my one of my. Best friends and also my biggest fan, and she's she understands me
0: more than anybody. Does she prefer you than the rest of them? <laughs> <laughs> tell the truth. That I don't know. Just no, tell the truth. That I don't know. He's I saying guess. yes. I can see with his eyes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. But she's amazing. No, she's amazing. And honestly, um, you know, it's been it's been, a, it's been a hell of a road to this point. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You know, and um, be honest with you, you know, it's been. Have you ever wanted to give up? Oh, yes, there's been days, there's been minutes I've wanted to give up, but in the long haul, never. You know, giving up is never an option.
0: What's your lowest moment? Oh, man, so many low moments.
1: So I had to, I was live so I had a studio in a, in a warehouse um, where, you know, a similar little setup with we my desk and shit like that, and I was going out with a girl at the time, and... Um, I was actually around the t- 2018 when I was on tour and I was on the tour and I was on the last two dates of the tour um, and then obviously my m- so my mum and my partner the girl I was with at the time came over to join the last bit of the tour and shit just kicked off man it just got nasty uh, like what? just the, the the girl that I was with at the time just wasn't in you know, she caused all sorts of problems and I ended up having to cancel the tour cancel the last two dates of the tour and, and come home so what you're saying is you'd want crazy What crazy ass bitch! Listen, yeah. So what we had to uh, cancel the tour, come home, and obviously, you know, at at the time, uh, you know, I was still a budding musician and struggling, and and, and, you know, I was trying to do a million things. So I was living in her house, so I had, I had all of a sudden nowhere to live, and so I had to move into my little warehouse studio. Like it was literally a warehouse; you weren't allowed to live in it. Like you know, you you know, there was a a, literally a warehouse, and it was a small little tiny room, and I got. a Little heater in there, and I ended up having to live in that for six months because really? yeah, uh, uh, I had to leave all my, uh, my clothes in my friend's house and shower on my friend's house, but I was like homeless for six months pretty much, you know. Oh, uh, because of a woman? Uh, well, I wouldn't say because of a woman, like more. I do you know what I take full responsibility because I put myself in the position. He's too nice. I, no, no, he it's not. Too, Chris you, Hayes is too nice. You know what it
0: is? <laughs> He's too nice. You know I'm what? gonna be listening to all these songs now to hear about this crazy ass bitch. <laughs> 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 you want crazy ass bitch living in a warehouse.
1: Do you know what it is, right? I take the struggle, like, it's been a fucking hell of a journey, like I said, and, it, you know, b- back then maybe I would have blamed somebody else. But look, as you grow older and you learn about shit, you realize that you only put yourself in the positions you're in yourself, so. Yeah, I, what I'm, age are you? I'm 32. I'm only so, a chap. Yeah, I'm only a baby yet. So uh, I've I've a li- I've a, I've a lot to do and, and and a lot ahead of me yet. So I'm just kind of just I say it to people as I like, I do say it on TikTok and stuff like that. I'm like I'm always getting warmed up and people be like, people be like you've been getting warmed up for the last four.
0: Years. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> we we always say here when we do podcasts, we we've noticed that it's an Irish thing. Yeah, Irish begrudgery is it, oh it's, it's rampant at, at this time. It's a, a form of endearment, isn't it? Yeah, well, everyone's a begrudging you, cunt. Yeah, but, if you do something that's a little bit different, the little bit. I different. can imagine Mr. Galway man rapping, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'd say that's be there. Look at this fucking Egypt. <laughs> Who
1: is this for? I think he fucking is, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So this is well. Uh, it's been it's been a mad one, especially like when I first got on TikTok. Oh, I was dealing with mad stuff, but I I was dealing with it by just because it gets water off ducks back for me. Honestly, like I know that. Anybody coming at me on TikTok talking shit in my comments, it's more about their, their own shit that's going on mm. in their own head and it's got nothing to do with me. You know yeah. what I mean? How sad how do sad you have to be in your own mental health and in your own daily life to come into somebody's comments chatting shit about them, mm. you know? So if, because I have that understanding, that kind of, that level of silliness.
0: Do you get a lot of support from other artists?
1: I mean, I I but I mean, even even that. I mean, I literally just seen a video of Rick Ross talking yesterday about, and and I'd seen Timberland so I'm actually pretty close with Timberland and his guy and his manager Gary. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears> the <throat> I haven't even touched the iceberg, bro. yet. Well, <laughs> when it comes to contacts and people, it's uh, it's. So do you chat to him? Yeah, I actually just had a meeting with him and his manager the other day about a festival we we're putting together in Utah music festival. What's he like? Uh, I didn't get very long to speak with him, but he's a cool, cool cat man. And he's a he's a he's legendary. And his uh his team are amazing. And he's got a dope company, uh B Club and Versus and all these guys, and yeah, they're doing some really dope things. And uh yeah, I I was actually just in the meeting with Gary and then all I heard was, yo, Chris. I was like, yo, who's that? And then he just goes, Timbo, and I was like, Completely. I was like, nah.
0: And did, are they totally normal to talk to?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yes, because the thing is with me, right? So I've I've worked. I'm as I said. I'm really good at getting people's contact information. So I've been emailing some of the biggest. I've not that I've been emailing, but I'm, I've been reaching out to some of the biggest you know, people in the in the industry. So I'm I'm also interested in inter- interested in being involved in the entertainment industry as much as mm. the music industry. So I'll be reaching out to, you know, all these different guys like The Rock and Kevin Hart and Jay-Z and, you know, all these different guys and and I'd and be because I I genuinely want to work with these guys, you know, I, I genuinely feel the things we can do together that could benefit everybody involved, and and when I reach out to these guys, I'm reaching out to them with genuine intent to 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 work with them on a business level, and that I don't want anything from them because they're an a big celebrity or they're a big, you know, superstar or none of that shit. I come to all of the. I come. I literally email the rock like, "Hey man, what's the crack? Let's freak out. What's the, What's up I've here? Seen him. Here's my here's my new track. I'd love if you could check it out. He reads it every time without fail. Do you know how sad
0: I am? <laughs> Do you know how sad I am. I went to New York with the lads one day, Okay right? And I'm not a political guy. I'm a gimp. <laughs> we were walking and we were we were shopping in H&M. That's it. And I was with Martin Gotten, a friend of mine, and another friend. And the next thing I see Jerry Adams. Jerry way. Adams is in H&M in New York. In New York, and I go, "What's Jerry Adams?" Under there, right? Okay, it's, it's, it's Jerry Adams over there. Under there. Right, David. Grand. I'm going over to him. Don't go over to him, David. <laughs> Don't. He's do buying it. underwear. Don't go over to Jerry Adams when he's buying boxers. Please let the man have his minute. Straight over, <laughs> Jerry. Love your work.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know what I meant. He didn't know what I meant. It was really awkward. But yeah, if I see in the Rock or someone, I'd.
1: Do you know what it is? It's just just been an accumulation of just years and years and years of reaching out and speaking to them and speaking to their teams and stuff like that. It's just kind of... Kind of led me to be just a little bit more professional in those situations, and I it doesn't I don't get as starstruck as I might it might have been before. So you know when I now I'm able to email instead of me emailing these kinds of people and being like oh my god oh my god what can you do for me this is amazing like you know which is like fan mail yeah um, I'm able to reach out to them on a professional level you know and a business personal level and be like listen this is what I'd love to do I'm working with this company that I think could work with your company and I think we could make something class happen so these are the kinds of these are the kinds of relationships I'm working to build with these people. You know, I'm not, and that's but that's my approach when when reaching out to them. You know, who's the biggest dickhead you ever met? Oh man, <laughs> you're really trying to name and shame everybody, huh?
0: Eh? Well, like it could be just um, anyone. Like there must be some dickheads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like. Uh, f- you know what? There's there's tons of dickheads in the in the industry. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's tons of them. I'm not gonna out anybody mm. because you know I've got a career ahead of me. I don't, burning, You know, I'm not trying to be little or begrudge or bring anybody down. Everybody's got their own shit. Um, I'm having arguments with some of the biggest record labels in the, in the game right now. Some of the top level in, in because we're trying to clear. I've just done a remix of a song, right? And it's a it's a big big song. It's fucking this. Is what I'm saying? It's a dance track. Hmm. It's a fucking remix of a dance track and it's a banger, it's really, really good. And we're currently having to argue with one of the major three record labels about them clearing it. So we've we've got the whole record cleared by one major record label by Sony, we've got it cleared by the band, we've got it cleared by the songwriters and this one record label are the only ones that are putting hurdles in front of us to make it happen. And the only reason it is, is because I know the band that we were make, remixing the song, so I asked the manager, was hmm. it okay if we remixed the song? So I got the band's consent before the label got it from me hmm. and she wrote back and she was like is there a reason you went around me to, to the band so it's just been bitter she took it personally and i'm like this is business i'm like what, what, what are you taking this is business i'm reaching out to you i have we, we have a business proposition we want to work with you guys we want to we're releasing a record that's going to uh, you know benefit your catalog and your music going forward and you know we're just trying to expedite the process because we're well connected in that area we were able to reach out to the management and clear the sample so, if anything, you should be thanking us because this lightens the load of work you have to do now. Mm. You don't need to speak to them because we've already got their blessing. So, um, yeah, she just took it personally. And this is she. <coughs> this is a director of one of the major record labels in the UK. Like, like there's Warner, Sony, and Universal. This is the director of licensing. So, uh, so, you know, to, to be dealing with that level of, you know, madness. To, to be, uh, we've worked seven months to clear this record. We got okay as off everybody, and because of this little personal issue, this is the one final hurdle we can't get past because of this silliness, you know. And this record has the potential to be a huge, huge record.
0: Isn't it very demoralizing for a young artist when you'd imagine that most of your hassle is legal? And stuff like that. When you can't just concentrate on right, I'm going to make music. Yeah, I'm going to make good music. But yeah, it, it turns sucks. into a whole business thing. It's a business thing.
1: thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is it. And everybody's saying it right now. Like you, you, you cannot get involved in this game right now unless you've got business savvy. You need to know the industry. You like you, ha, even like you know having business managers and all these guys are amazing. But it's easy like a business manager can charge you twenty percent of your income, and like, you're going to be given. You want to make sure that that business manager is bringing in twenty percent worth worth of work. You know, to be giving that kind of money away, and then you've got an agent taking fifteen percent, and then you've got a record label fifteen, well up to fifteen. percent What does the agent do? An agent is involved with just getting you shows, you know. So
0: the agent's getting your shows, getting fifteen percent. Yeah, I
1: mean, like we're, I'm not going to say exactly who, but we were, we were, we got on with a mate to a major artist the other day, um, who's currently going to be on tour to try and get them to play at the festival. Daniel working. O'Donnell, four point four up north of four million. His agent said to get just to get us off the email. Just to just to just to outprice us. Because it was just an inconvenient gig. And if we were to get him to do it, that's the kind of money they were gonna look for. It. Wow. And then the same thing again. Because I knew the manager very well. I also spoke to the manager at the same time. And the manager came back and he goes, actually, he's not available at all. So he actually undermined the agent. He came in and basically said, Nah, he's not available. Not for four million even. And then I, I was like, so that agent was just trying to mark up that whole thing just so he could make 600,000 off the back end off for himself and sail through and try and push that gig over the line just to make it.
0: So there's a lot of stuff go on in the background that artists don't even know about between all this, their agents. Oh, like you can't managers.
1: imagine. Like, yeah, like, I mean, like It's business. It's business. It's like everything else. Like to, to be, How naive would you have to be to think that people weren't giving backhanders and scratching each other's backs behind, behind the scenes in every industry or any business that you're in?
0: Imagine that they get back. You know, the artists That go on stage and go, "Yeah, hope you're fucking good." Four fucking million, you cunt. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in and he's there. What?
1: Yeah, where's <laughs> <laughs> my it, four million? <laughs> and in some cases, the sh- it does. It does get back, it back. Sometimes, you know, in certain cases. But it, when you're when people are people are eating after deal, people are eating after deal. Who's going to open their mouth?
0: You know, it's only the people. That's that a great phrase. You know, people are eating off the deal. Yeah,
1: who's going? I'm going to use that that's you know, a good one okay, so it's very true so people will keep their mouth shut if they're if they're, if they're seeing profit off the back end of what's happening so it, it, this it, business is business like people people think morals come into this this is money this is business this is like this to be you'd be mad in the head like you, you, this is why it's so important to understand the business aspect of anything you're doing the media, the business side of music, the media side of anything, entertainment industry, everything. Because you have to know what's going on. Otherwise, everyone will pull, try to pull a wool over your eyes. So how many hours a week do you point this? It? Oh, it's, it's, I don't get time off.
0: Ever. Never. Have you a girlfriend? No. Not right now. It's Kids? No. So it's all, everything yeah. is music? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's music and building my businesses and my companies.
0: Yeah. Right now. I've uh I've,
1: it's full it's full on, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I dis I love this shit. What name of your businesses? Uh well so I've got Remedy Co, which I've just launched this year, which is a holdings company, which is the parent company to all of my big brands. Then I've got re- under under Remedy Co. I've got Remedy Records, Remedy Publishing, Remedy Productions, Remedy Studios, Vibe C B D. And I'm currently working with a an Omano Tequila brand, uh from over in America in Utah. And we're working to so I've just partnered with a guy called Paul Hutchinson. He's an ama- <coughs> amazing guy. He's a philanthropist from over in the States. Amazing, amazing guy. He owns a, a foundation called the Child Liberation Foundation. And um, he has personally been involved in 70 sting operations to stop child trafficking over in the States. And he's been trained by high, high... High up operatives in the CIA and FBI and everything to pull these missions off. And he's been deeply embedded into these organizations and trial trafficking and actually had to do the deals with them and pull it over the line and actually, you know, then press the button to get the guys in to catch them when last minute when it was all finishing. So I partnered with him and his. Are
0: you going to go on a stay?
1: Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, what we're doing is right and awesome. So Fucking what we're song doing is, that. yeah. Well, I mean, like what he's doing is an amazing thing, and he's so he's a philanthropist, and he's like he's an he's an amazing businessman. He's a hugely hugely successful businessman, and um, you know, I um, uh, partner, So we've got a company now called Vibe CBD that we've just partnered on, and we're launch, we're launching. We've got Vibe CBD going, and we're going to move on and branch off into a ton of. We've got. It's tons of different ideas, so that's all happening right now at the minute, behind behind the scenes as well, outside of the music thing as well, outside of the music sphere. Do you use CBD? I don't myself. I don't. I. I. But I know. I know a lot of people do. But like, I smoke weed. Like so I don't like but, um, but I would I, I know the benefits of CBD and all that different stuff and I also know the medical benefits of both so how did you get C- into that how did you <clears throat> um, the CBD thing mm. well I'm, I'm, funnily enough it's crazy so this is the kind mm. of person I am I heard this Paul Hutchinson guy on a, on a podcast funnily enough. Mm. And he was explaining his story and th- and I, he was telling us who he was and he goes, I've got this CBD company that I started with a former partner that didn't end up working out with them so I've got a ton of inventory that we need to move now. You know, Vibe CBD gumman. We've got uh, this amazing company and I'm, look, you know, he goes, you know, I'd sell it to somebody on a dime in a book and I was like, fuck selling that shit. I was like, so I went and I looked it up and I did a bit of research and I thought the dope, I thought the brand was dope. It's an amazing brand. as you know, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a fully established brand with a following and, and, and great, amazing brand and marketing the whole lot. I was like, no, nah, fuck this. So I pitched him an idea. I went and got his email address and contact and I pitched him that night after listening to the podcast. And I told him I'd love to be involved with helping to move forward and, and he goes, "Oh, I'd, I'd love to have you involved." So now we've we've partnered together, and we've grown a great relationship going forward. And he's put, he's building health and wellness ben- uh, centers all over the like you know, around the states. So retreats for people to go and you know use ayahuasca and and mushrooms and all of these different mm. amazing things. So you know to to their health resorts. guided meditation, yeah, yeah, and all of that, which I'm, I'm a huge supporter and, and fan of, and I think it's it's definitely <clears throat> massively helpful for people. So. Um he's doing amazing things on the philanthropy and on that side of things and and um I was happy to come in and help him help him lead the project on the CBD company so yeah I'm excited going forward with that like I'm I'm as much as I'm an artist I'm a, <coughs> I'm also um I'm a businessman
0: Are you more excited about all the business things than or the music?
1: Um I'm very excited about both. Um I I want to be an artist that sells out you know, massive venues. I want to play Coachella in America. I want to do all this crazy shit. you know what I mean? Um, I play it on Play Burning
0: Man. You can sell the CBD and the mushrooms. I mean, and absolutely, play. <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. So, like, I mean, we've got big trucks and everything over in the states now. Vibe CBD trucks and stuff that we can drive to and from events and stuff like that. So, we're we're about we're currently figuring out product product development and best ways to launch them. How move often forward. are you in the US? Um, excuse me. So, um. Not a lot right now. Um, I'm just back, as I said. I'm just back because I was over. We were over there. Um, the president of my label, who's also one of my best mates, is actually living in New York. So we've got a we've got an imprint in New York in my record label as well. So we've got Remedy Records. We've got a print. We've got an imprint over there as well as in Ireland. So, so do you take on artists? Yeah, well, right now at the moment, I'm kind of the flagship artist of the company and what we're doing. Right, we are we are looking for artists, and we do always have our ear. So pins. Do you do you'd be looking uh, around. Yeah, well, I I definitely keep my ear to the ground for artists because you know there is going to be a time when we our main focus is NRM and, and signing artists and moving and, product, and you know and moving forward on that side of things. But um, right now the main focus is launching what I'm doing. Obviously, if somebody really exciting comes along and and
0: pricks our ears up, and I have a team, I know all that does it dabbles in a bit of singing. that's It's a job now, Ryan right. Tuberty. <laughs> there you go. He does a bit of singing at Christmas. One, and one man that would never have me on his <laughs> show.
1: Huh? Yeah, what what's the story with that? It's bad, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've tried to get on the show tons and tons of times. They would never have me. See, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit unpredictable, for. They like these kinds of guys to uh, <clears throat> maybe have me on board. I might, I, can, I may be liable to say something that they might not, you know, approve of, or whatever the case may be, because they know, you know, I'm not really somebody to take shit. The re- so basically, what's happened? Well, I <clears throat> because I've learned to be able to figure out how to do things myself. I've got put myself in a position where I don't need, I don't need anybody mm. to move forward. Like I literally could do this for the rest of my life and not need anybody. So I've self-sufficiently put myself in a position where I'd never have to stop, you know? So because I'm in that position now, it leave, it, it allows me to approach partnerships and getting people on board with a different, rather than saying, gimme, 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 I need, I need, I need your support. It's kind of like, I don't really give a shit. Give it to me or don't, I'd love your support and I'd love to have your understanding and your, you know, I'd love to have you involved in what I'm building and what we're working towards, but I'm not gonna beg you for nothing. Mm. You know, so it took me a while to get, <coughs> as an artist, you know, as a new open-coming artist to get beyond that point because, you know, there's a certain point of de- desperation, you know, when you're a young artist that you just want any opportunity at all and it leads to kind of begging people for opportunities, you know. And that's when people get fucked over, isn't it? Yeah, they? and that's when people end up doing shit they don't want to do or, you know, like even even for instance, like even when I, like, not that I got fucked over because like, the opportunity was amazing, but even when I did that original Rude tour, I got 50 euros a gig. And I travel around every, a different county, every gig, every night. Yourself? Quid a, yeah, I had to ring up, I had to ring up all the promoters from every gig, from every venue and said, if you want to support that, you're going to have to sort out a place for Chris to stay, you know, because they, it just wasn't allocated for us. We were just giving, here, do you want to play this tour? We'll give you 50 quid a night type of shit. And I wasn't going to say no because I needed the opportunity. Yeah. So I made it happen. And I had, a, I had a friend who was, you know, we had a, We drove around in the car with my gear in the car and each gig we got paid 50 quid and it went straight into the car, fucking into the juice for the, to get to the next show,
0: you know, so... Do you ever do impromptu gigs? <clears throat> do you ever uh, just rock up into a pub or, and then just go... Give me the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, not
1: really. No, not really. No, it's a, it's a it's something I like to do. All right, but I don't like you know. I try not to be
0: the center of attention too much when it comes. Stop to it now! <laughs> Stop it now! I was. How have you not been in Galway like out in one of the pubs and there's a lad singing in the corner and then just for the crack get up and then just start bursting out fucking rap. Everyone you know shite I, themselves.
1: I, I have often thought of it, right? And I was, but I was like, nah, because that just makes you seem like an absolute dickhead. I was mm, like, mm. I was like, who, No, no, who no. Is this guy. Cool. So this is the shit that goes through my head. I'm like, no, I can't do that shit. That would just be stupid. But then at the same time, I'd be in some places and people would come up and like, Are "You Chris A's from TikTok." And I, people on TikTok, if they see this, they're gonna hate that because I, I put this, I put up on TikTok one time that somebody noticed me in Dublin Airport, which happened right. I was walking through Dublin Airport and someone that was heading off was like, "Oh my God, you Chris A's or whatever from TikTok," and I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And it was just a real, real. It was a weird thing for me firstly mm. because it didn't happen to me often, but it was just a real quick passing thing. It was nothing major. But um, someone asked me then on TikTok, did anyone ever notice you in public? So I explained that story. And everyone went off their heads. They're like,
0: nobody in Dublin knew who you were. Nobody in Dublin airport. You must have a few people come up and get pictures and stuff with you.
1: Ah, yeah, well, there was a point where, like, when I was doing like, When I was a lot busier on the Irish scene, yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, and but and like you know, I've been walking on the street and I been going for walks, and my headphones and I have young fellas pulling up beside me on their bikes. And I'm like, you guys off TikTok? I follow you <laughs> and all this stuff, which is it's amazing. It's cool because having all these outlets, it, because all of a sudden the radio playing all that stuff kind of dipped off. With you know, in Ireland and all that, it's been good to have that them kind of outlets to kind of get in front mm. of the newer, younger audiences that are here. How did you find COVID? COVID was. Crazy. I mean, I tried not to get so too much into this shit to be honest with you. Like, I get everybody had their, that, like, I, it was tough because obviously there was no gigging, there was mm. no, the music, the music scene took a hit, like, um, it, and it was, you know, everything kind of went on hold, but I kind of just used it as, for me, it was reflection time and it was time to get myself together. I got myself in shape. I had time to fucking, time to look after myself. I got, and i wasn't looking really well i i let myself go like you know the shape i'm in now that you were talking about earlier on i wasn't in that shape 3 or 4 years ago i was you know i, I let myself go i was i was mentally not in a good place i was you know and because of that it it, it showed in my body and it showed in everything i was doing and and uh, covid was that few years in covid was just time for me to re-energise, recoup get my shit together figure out my my thought pattern and and you know recoup recoup right and go again and you know, as soon as soon as the barriers lifted on that shit, I was gone. I was I was gone, and it also allowed me, you know, to grow a following and kind of do the TikTok thing. So um, yeah, no, I'm grateful for it. As much as uh, it was tough, but you know, some some good came from it for sure.
0: What advice would you give twenty year old you in Tesco oh my God. that just wrote that song?
1: My God! My God! I mean, to be honest with you, I. I, I I don't know, it seems so far long it's just seems so long ago. Um I never I never would have even I never would have even imagined. I literally argued with my manager in there about a week after I wrote that song and told him, Fuck you, stuck the job up your ass and I left. Because he was giving out to me for like being five minutes late or doing something stupid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, you know what I mean? This is crazy. But um, Jesus, um, you know, that's a that's a hard one because now the advice I would I would give myself is to stay focused, to stay doing what you're doing, which is what I ended up doing, thankfully. You know that was my at that point that was me climbing out of the hole. You so I've been in many. I've been in many holes. You
0: could have said, "Stay away from crazy ass <laughs> <out> bitches." <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was never in a hole because of a, of like you know I, it wasn't because of one person. It was because of. A, May, you know, an accumulation of things being around the wrong people, having the wrong people in my life, as well as me mentally not being in the right place, as well as me dedicating two, 24-7, 365 days a year to my career and everything that we're doing, you know, moving forward on that end of thing. So, uh, you know, that just it all just compiled together to be one big, you know, cock up
0: of a situation. But there's no way you would have thought you got to where you get to where you are.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and even still, like, I'm right where wherever you think I am right now. You know, from your perspective is nowhere close to where I want to be. But you know, um, I'm I'm definitely happy and continue You know, I, I my vision is people be listening to me sometimes and be like, this one is fucking off. Fucking Who off. makes music videos? Uh so I so I direct I direct and edit a lot of them. Uh, most of them, actually. So, uh, um, and my videographer is DNG Media, Dan Gill. He's my guy. Uh, he's been with me from the beginning. So uh, he started doing. He was doing rapper videos and stuff like that in Dublin for a while, and then I brought him on board with me. And I've just got. I uh, I was able to kind of you know shoot videos with storylines with him. Take, take take things a little bit, the production a little bit further with storylines. You and, like doing the videos? Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. It's fun. Uh, like the last. I don't know if you have seen the Chasing Rivers video. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's crazy shit. Because like, we looked. We it took us two months to find that cliff. Did to you find actually that
0: fall? Uh, or oh yeah, did you
1: deliberately fall? Oh no, wait. Which Went in the woods? Yeah. Oh no, I actually deliberately fell. <laughs> <laughs> a good fall. <laughs> I had to do it three times. I had to do it And
0: you're running days. the walkway. It's yeah, a cool, shot. yeah. Running
1: the walkway, but then obviously, you know it's like a 75 foot cliff as well at the yeah. end so it took us like two months to find that cliff like I had, I was ringing up like, tour guides and everything in Clare and all these different places saying listen I, we found this cliff on a video but we didn't know where the location was it was a secret location and I was, I was ringing tour guides and everything finally found someone in Clare who was able to point us to it in Doolin Come not believe I finally found it and I had to do that jump three times Seventy. yeah I had to get out do it and then jump out and there was drones and stuff flying around the place as we were shooting it and then I had to do it again and then a the third time, I had to do it again with dry clothes. So I had to change clothes, same clothes again, do it again. Because we needed two shots. And then a third time, then the camera crew goes, we missed the landing. You have to do it again. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's... Uh, it, it's, How long did it take you to um, write Chasing Rivers? Uh, the song? Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, that song came super fast. Super fast. I, I picked up the guitar one day. And that song just came. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, so that that song came really, really quick, and it's literally it was a, it was very um, <coughs> cliche of the
0: moment that I was living in. And know? the acoustic version is just beautiful. Ah, nice one. <laughs> it really is. Though. Thank you. I'm glad you like it, man. Oh, look, there it is. Oh there there's it is. The, yeah, the, that's the cliff. The, that's a hell of a cliff, right? So if you're watching on YouTube, you fucking mad bastard.
1: <laughs> What's You've done that three times. Yeah, that's right. I was like, I was, I actually counted it. I was in the air for like four seconds, maybe close to five. Do you know when you're falling? I actually was able to count. <laughs> she was Jeez. nuts, man. That's mad. Yeah, yeah. So, I, but I was, I was like. Willing anal.
0: to die for his heart.
1: Yeah, I was like anal about this. I was like, we need to find the, it has to be the right cliff. If it's not like, it has to be this totally over-exaggerated, stupidly big cliff. And I'm going to shit myself jumping off it, but we're going to do it. But yeah, it took me like an hour to, to get the balls up to, to do the first jump even in the first place. <laughs> was it in the middle of summer? No, it, it actually was. It, actually, when was it? It actually was in the middle of summer, but it wasn't great weather. So it wasn't like, you know, so where the jump was, it was actually like, so there's a huge cove and there's waves are smashing up against the rocks. But there was a tiny little cove part where you landed that was behind the rocks. So it was very calm. So it was actually okay to jump there. So that's the only reason it was safe, like it's cool they were, you know, it was, I actually had to get one of the lads to go ahead of me he was like I'll jump ahead of you to make sure it's safe and then you I was like right. <laughs> does he taste your food as well <laughs> just in case you're getting poisoned." no fair play to him because I was like you know yeah he was a bit more bonesy than me to be honest because I, it, it was huge like I couldn't even even the run up scene to the video, I had to just run because it was too big and too staggery that I could have probably fell, you know. So we had to just pretend that I ran to the end and then I yeah, had I to do you. a leap. So, yeah, just in case I fell, over the, you know, it could have been a disaster. But,
0: yeah, no, thankfully we, uh, we got through it unscathed. <laughs> so, Chris, what advice would you give? A young person that wants, or anyone that's in the music industry that is just going is after going, oh fuck! I have no point in do this. Every door's closed to me. I can't get anyone to listen, and they believe in their music. Mm. What would you say to home?
1: Oh, um, okay. Well, do we, first thing is just you. You cannot get So I, ha, I made up a thing last. You, you, there's no room for failure to exist if you never give up right that's my I literally I live by that I made I don't know if I made that quote up but I think I'm pretty sure I did but if I didn't whatever but that's what I live by and just uh, the key ingredient to and to doing anything and to being successful at anything is having you know just never never having the willingness to continue no matter what having you know the persistence the drive the work ethic you know and you cannot let that dip that's what separates people from that's what separates the people who are going to be successful in their field from the people who are just doing it f- as a hobby. Or people who are just, you know, giving up should, ne- should never even be an option.
0: But how do you know if you're someone that blindly believes in yourself but wrongly? Like, what if there's well, someone that... there and they're actually shit like? But how do they, know? like, if your mother says, hey, listen, you're shy. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's a bit of a different,
1: that's a bit of a different conversation because for, thankfully, I, I never had to have that conversation with anybody. But, you know, I mean, it's about being honest with yourself too, as well. I mean, you know, you have to, you know, you can't be, so there's a certain, but you I don't want to say that either, as well, because there's honestly there's some artists who I, there's, there's some artists in the world who I would not rate as being great artists, but they've made some amazing moves and they've been hugely successful. So for me to say, you know, just a
0: finder, finder
1: thing. Exactly. So for us to say, like, you know, you, you're not, you know, you, somebody's going to like that shit. So, you know, I just think, you know, if you really have that blind belief in yourself and you almost need to have that blind arrogance of hmm. belief to the point where like nobody can tell you no nobody can say you're not going to make it work or whatever and you need to even when people like your, your mother comes to you and says listen shh, it's not going to happen because I fucking had this shit
0: most of the time it's your mother and
1: father will tell you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. go get a fucking proper job and all of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know so like you know you're going to have that and you know it's it's literally it's you it's up to you to literally say no you know um, I know what I'm going to do and you know I wasn't as good a singer or rapper as I am now f- five, six years ago, you know, and <clears throat> although they couldn't see the vision then, as I've got better and as I've been able to get better at articulating my vision and what I'm trying to achieve and, and getting steps closer to it, they're starting to see, okay, maybe we should stop saying shit now because every time we say he's not going to be able to do something, he goes and he does it. Mm. You know, that's kind of like, you know, so sort of, it's kind of like, it's unfortunately because it's a very, very lonely road as you've already brought up before. It is a very, very lonely road no matter who you are or no matter how good or bad you think you are or whatever the case may be. It's just about you need that persistence, you need that work ethic, you need that belief. You need to be mentally strong and resilient. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, it's a tough, tough, tough game. You're going to have people telling you you're not good enough all the time. If it's, if it's, not, your pe- if it's not your family and your friends which are going to be the people who are least likely to say to you because they care about you, it's going to be the people within the industry. And they're going to say, you know, people, there's people in the industry are going to be like, that shit's just not good enough. That song isn't good enough. I've had that, you know. And you have to be able to swallow those pills and take that advice on the chin and go back and re- recoup and figure out a way to do it better. And you have to be able to take that advice and put your hands up and say, maybe it's not as good as it can be, but I'm willing to make it better, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it better. You know, and that's uh, that's a key that's a key motivation and ingredient with just moving forward and constantly getting better. Because although somebody... I've had the case where I've had somebody say, "No, this song is shit." And then three years later, they haven't heard from me. And three years later, I send them something. They're like, "This is dope! I can't believe you. This is the best stuff I've ever heard from you." I can fair play to you for sticking out the type of shit. You know what I mean? But it's
0: weird with music and <coughs> an art because it is subjective. Yeah, and what some people find good, other people find shit. Exactly. But if you're dealing with, like, when you're dealing with these companies, you're dealing with lawyers. <laughs> are they the ones that are listening to this music? Like what what where does that work like? Um well just yeah this is precisely it. I mean I went
1: to I was in New York tw- 5 weeks ago and I was sat in the biggest record labels in, in the in the in in the industry. I was sat in Atlantic Records with the biggest senior senior A&R agent the guy that signed 50 Cent. Shady Records. Big big people. I was in Columbia Records A&R office and they've got big fancy offices with their with their dope speaker systems and you come in and you sit down and you you do your shit and you talk your shit and you you play your you play your music and then they sit there and, and the, you're stop, there. Yeah. Just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so you was, sit down, right? Yeah. And they are you,
1: you, the li- you shoot the shit for a few minutes, and then someone
0: goes, right, let's listen to this.
1: <laughs> yeah, they go, all right, let's play some shit, and then you go, okay, and then you go, so then that's the point where you have to sit back and be like, okay, here we go. one listen. So yeah, well, like you know, I saw... So I was able to get to, I was able to get them to listen to three or four different songs. I, I needed them to listen to three or four different songs because the record I'm just after doing has. I believe, you know, my best material on it. And there's, there's some, there was four or five songs they needed to hear from, from their perspective to be able to get a full grasp of what kind of music they were going, that was on this record. <clears throat> um, so, And we, I, I felt like I was going to be very nervous going into, these in, going into these meetings and stuff like that because you don't get me with these people that I got means with. Like, so we were speaking to this, uh, we spoke to this, uh, he runs a marketing firm in New York, and he goes, Oh, so who's your meetings with? So he's this new guy. We just met him uh, through my my partner in the US, my VP, um, Rory. And he just met this guy. And he goes, All right, so who are you guys meeting in New York? And we gave him the names of the people. And he goes, Oh, just a couple of casual heavy hitters. He goes, Most people don't get one meeting with these people, with those people in a lifetime. You got four of them in one sitting. So that's through my lawyer. So he was able to put us in front of all the heavy hitters just below the CEOs of all these major record labels. We have the CEOs also in our
0: emails as well because my lawyer is also their lawyer's. And can you are you reading their faces? What are they? It's like, hard what? to do. So they're sitting there trying to play a poker face, aren't they? Because I be shit myself unless they're going ah. Uh, yeah, but see, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to do that as well. So I would like. I I love my shit. I love I love the music I make. So when I was when when the, sh- the records were playing in these meetings, I was like, fuck! I'm, I was bopping along. I had my my partner root me root, and we we sat there and we were bopping along. We were listening to the shit, loving it because we love it. Like you know, hmm. we we like the music and we believe in it. <clears throat> and then they kind of feed off of your energy but at the same time they're trying to stay stone faced because they don't want you to think they're trying to keep you you know you under wraps they don't want you to think that you're walking out of there with a certain deal Yeah, they loved it so much that we're getting this we're getting that you know I mean you know I, I we had some amazing comments from some of these a heads and some of these different stuff but still nothing has come from it you know so like like even Jay Z and all these different kind of people who went to all of the major record levels and got no's before they became who they were, you know, got told no from all of the different <laughs> different major record labels. How 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 silly did they feel like?
0: And how right pissed now? off are you? Like when that happens, do you what? Like spend the day going, oh, "Fuck this shit," and what do we do now? No,
1: because we have a plan in place. So we have a plan in place. It's it's kind of <clears throat> um, there's major there's five or six major record labels in the the New New York and then there's like seven or eight major record labels in the West Coast um, because they've all moved out there so we have a plan and you know we came back
0: (coughs) which one's the best? East
1: side is the best <laughs> side is the best Well like I mean there's a lot of made, there's a lot of made in record labels I have my preferences I'm not going to speak about them right now because I don't want to you know
0: think you know, but, I know Crips and yeah, yeah, all that I know, sort of stuff. Like, No
1: I have my preference yeah in Companies
0: <laughs> Crips and the Bloods yeah. we don't want to get down go down that road I mean it's funny because
1: I was actually I actually I was actually supposed to have the game on my most recent album I actually negotiated having him on it he was going to he was going to jump on the record but I decided in the end it was just Not Eminem <laughs> it just wasn't there it wasn't the uh, the right it wasn't the, I just didn't think it was needed for the album I just think it would overshadow the concept and the idea of the album and just having him on it would have just been like oh my god the games on the album and would have just taken away from the rest of the, the rest of the project so I just decided to go against it but um <clears throat> yeah so look you know, there's there's many different things I'm trying to do I'm trying to push and move the needle in, in ways that a lot of artists and a lot of people in the industry aren't really doing especially here in Ireland right now. <coughs> Excuse me. So um yeah look um I've always been one for I've always been one for kind of getting going running against the phrase. Cuz you could be the next Louis Wash
0: you can be Uh, the
1: next Louis Walsh Louis I I actually know Louis what's he like (laughs) well I've actually only spoken to him a couple of times over email and over phone call but uh, he seems to be a gent uh, yeah a nice guy gave me some good advice keep doing my thing he loved what I was doing he just wasn't in a position to it was actually way back when when I was actually trying to get him to take me on and work with me
0: did you ever do um, (coughs) like did you ever want to go on X Factor or anything like that
1: funnily enough I just spoke I actually got a personal phone call and an email from the producers of the X Factor asking me to audition no way uh, Yeah so that'll just show is you Is that what happens That'll just they, show they you ask, How orchestrated that shit
0: is right? They ask people Well they ask some people I don't know if they ask everybody That's it So they'd bring you on You look like a normal They'd probably say We're homeless pro- stuff Yeah 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 Look exactly.
1: Exactly. homeless Yeah whatever, whatever it was And they'll do. They'll make their own storyline So it just tells you They've handpicked Who they want on the show From the beginning Straight away you know
0: Are you ready for the, for the questions I haven't uh, even started Oh whoa <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is just an intro. uh, Let me take a listen at this. Get an old drink there. (sighs) Chris, what's your (laughs) first vivid childhood memory? Oh, Jesus.
1: Catching my fingers in the car door on Christmas Eve when I was like three. On Christmas Eve, and it was actually—I was like four, and I was—you uh, do know—I don't know if you guys remember, but do you remember Turbo Man? Do you ever see the, the movie Jingle All the Way with yeah. Anna Schwarzenegger? Yeah, Tur- the Turbo Man. Me and my because my mother was with that American guy at the time. We could only get Turbo Man in America. Oh. <laughs> you could only get it in America, and they released that movie to promote the actual toy.
0: Oh, I didn't know
1: that. Funny enough, right? So uh, we got uh, that same Christmas with my two fingers wrapped up in sellotape and black and blue and nails falling off them. I got a turbo man as well from America.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. So, it's very uh,
0: sore when you chop your fingers. Oh, oh damn, God. so sore. If you could make one phone call to heaven, who would you call?
1: Oh, man. I've lost some friends this year, so uh, yeah. It was, uh, this, uh, I've got some close friends up there that I, I lost to suicide last year. So yeah, it'd be nice to see, speak to them.
0: That's not cool, is it? No, it's rampant, isn't it?
1: It's especially in Galway right now, man. We've got like the fastest river in Europe and shit, man, up there, and people are just jumping into it, man, for fun. It's it's not even. It's crazy right now. It's a it's an epidemic almost, you know.
0: What 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 do you think is the
1: issue? Oh, man, look, it's 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 tough time. Look, you know, it's it's a tough time. It's a tough time to be alive, you know. Some people just aren't as mentally strong as other people as other people, and it's a. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, people just, it's mentally a tough time to be alive and people are finding it hard to, to understand it and figure it out. and
0: Are we failing people culturally, making them weak?
1: I don't know, because I don't feel culturally weak and I don't feel mentally weak. and but You're I, an outlier. But I, at the same time, I say this because I've put years of work into reading psychology books, self-help books. I'm actually writing my own self-help book right now as well as a movie script, but I'm writing a self-help book. What's the book. movie about? Oh well it's going to be loosely based on my own story but dramatized.
0: Who's going to tell
1: you? Oh I don't know yeah. <laughs> we'll see if I can get a movie deal first. Who would you like to tell? <laughs> oh wow, I don't
0: know man. I don't know.
1: That? For my school. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it
0: could be cool. <laughs> is home for you a place or a feeling? Home
1: for me is a feeling. Home.
0: Who is your home? I am you. Yeah. I am my home Chris no man's an island just remember that Uh, this is a you know this is a good one if your life was a movie (laughs) (laughs) which scene would you replay over and over oh
1: oh you know there's there's certain there's certain small times in my life where I haven't been just ultra like I'm ultra focused to the point of like I don't enjoy I don't enjoy most things because I'm just if I'm trying to sit with my mates and just enjoy doing something normal I'm so my brain is like over here thinking about who I need to talk business with and what we need to do and progress so it's just the small the small like holidays with friends like I remember my first holiday with my mates when we were like 17 and we went over to Grand Canary and we got fucked up and it was crazy and you know these are they're, they're the kind of moments that yeah, I love that shit um, but one of the moments is going to be when it happens This is the day I buy my mother her house I'll replay that day over and over again Do you love money? I don't love money I, I absolutely despise what I can do to people but unfortunately I understand how important it is
0: mm.
1: would you like yourself if you met yourself um, I would probably not off the bat but if I gave myself some time to understand and you know figure me out
0: that is the strangest answer to that question I've ever got you yeah, give yourself I'll honest time I'll I, I be honest
1: with you it's because I know that I can be a very intense person
0: are you intense on yourself? Yeah, massively.
1: And like, I mean, even my friends, like I I, I, I can be intense with my friends as well. Like, you know, the, the situations where I know that they're like, you know, because I can be, like I can come into a room sometimes and I'm just want to just chill and just fucking, you know, chill out with my mates and have a cup of coffee and maybe smoke a spliff or some shit and I... I'd be like, they would just, I'd be like, oh, this business happened with this person and this label and that company and this CBD company and studio this and festival that. And I, their heads are just like. Brr.
0: Are they in your industry? No. So, so they don't
1: get it? They don't they only get it because they've been in, they've been around me, but they, but they're like, it's just so much to process and it can be a lot. And I get that, you know, and I, cause my passion as well can be intimidating.
0: What's something that you're holding onto that you need to let go? Um, probably resentment
1: towards my father. If I'm being totally honest, why? Just because? Well, I I feel like I'm definitely in in a place where I'm definitely letting let letting it go and have letting you know, and I'm definitely in a place where I'm going to let it go and you know I'm working towards it. But um, I just because I I he left when I was four and I was always a very angry kid growing up because because of it and because of well at least some of it because of it um, and, uh, do you know him now I don't I, he left when I was four so my last memory of him is him assaulting my mother uh, in, in my house when I was like four okay. you know, yeah, so.
0: have you ever tried to meet him again
1: um, yeah my, so my myself. I, I flew over to see this I mean I have to I have to be very PC when my family mm. don't even like me talking and see I have to be very careful mm. because even even when I told my mum I was coming for this today she was like be mindful yeah, you know, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, I need to tell my story, you know, my story. And you don't
0: have to delve too. Uh,
1: yeah, no, no, but I want to tell my story. Yeah, mm. I have no problem telling that. I, it's the, it's other people that have the insecurities that have me be talking about certain things. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so like, I'm I'm very open and I'm very happy to talk about my whole life and everything I've been through and, because it's got me to where I am, and I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't go through all the shit I've been through, you know, um. You know, parents, whatever, all that different kind of stuff. So, yeah, we met him a couple of years later when I was really young. For a short period of time, we went over to the UK to meet him, me and my other brother, and um, a couple of short holiday. I don't remember much of it. Came back, haven't seen him since. So, but he's a he's a granddad to my to my nephews and stuff like that now, and he's doing his thing and he's trying. But uh, yeah, look, you know, I'm at the point where I just feel like you, Did know, you ever ring him? No, no, I'm just at the point in my life where I just don't feel. That he has anything to add to my life. You know, I, and I just, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Like, and it's nice. Not, it's not, I, I suppose I never really overthought about the, the situation, but when I, you know, when I think back, I definitely had some hangups on it, about it, you know, over it. Like, but it is what it is. Looking yeah, and, and at this point, like I said, I've kind of learned to deal with things and move forward, and I'm happy with the person I've become because of it. So, would I be the same person now had I not? Gone, you know, had I, had he been in my life or stuff? Who knows? I may not be, you know. Um, so I don't. I wouldn't turn the clock back on any of it. Do you think he's proud of you? Um, I would like to think so. I would like to think so, but at the same time, it's not something I've ever thought about. Actually, that's a good question. Um, so I, I don't know. I have thought. There's times and certain things I think about where you know when you're watching a movie and there's always a certain part in a movie where a father comes back for the first time or mm. something like that and there's always those kinds of scenes I always wonder when those scenes comes on when he's watching a movie how does he feel yeah you know I can't answer that question but you know I, I, I've I asked myself it once or twice
0: does it ever make you think I would like to have my own kids or not like to have my own kids
1: it's so this is having a kid is my biggest fear it's like my biggest fear why Ah, oh, it just scares the shit out of me. Not that I did not that I couldn't do it. I know I could do it and I know I'd be damn good at it. But I just means putting everything I'm doing on on hold, and like there's loads of different. I you just I don't want to I don't want to ever scare a child or ruin their future or any like you know because I, I I know what I know what I, what a tormental upbringing can be can lead to and now you know what what kind of damage I can do. So um,
0: that'll probably make it better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now you know a hundred percent, and I have these are other hang ups that I have. I, I like I have severe commitment issues right now, you know, and I've I overall. Pan- relationships and what happened and all that stuff so I have severe commitment relation and relationship issues and severe fears of having kids and stuff like that they're just not even on my radar I'm just ultra focused on on my career you know and to the point of absurdity probably but <laughs> but it's that's the level that it's at you know
0: and that's how success happens isn't it
1: Well, I mean, this is what they say.
0: Um, It's definitely heading in the right direction. I don't think there's many lads out there wishing and praying for kids anyway. Yeah, well, look. Firstly, we wish to dip the wick. (laughs) (laughs) Kids come later.
1: (laughs) I mean, the the funny thing is, like, most of my mates, like, (coughs) my best mates, all of that stuff, they all got kids. So, um, I've just, this is the life I've chosen. This is the path I've chosen. I've chosen <clears throat> to be in this position. I've chosen to give myself this level of freedom so that if I need to go to America in the morning, if 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 something, if an opportunity arises, if something happens, that I don't have anything holding me back. So in one side of things, some people will look at me, there's two sides to the client. Some people are going to look at what I do and they're going to think, I'd love to be doing that. And that's crazy. And I'd love to be doing that thing. But then the other side of it is that I don't get to have, well, at least right now, I don't get to have all the same stuff my friends have. Like, you know, relationships and, you know, girlfriends and you know Do you ever
0: get lonely? Uh yeah,
1: absolutely. I guess, you know, it's um but it's it's not I'm okay with it. I love my own peace. I'm um, I'm at peace with myself. You know, when I'm by myself, it's when I come up with my best ideas, you know. Yeah, there's times when you get lonely, like, you know, but I think everybody gets that. But um you know, that goes away. And I also, and that's when I remind myself why I'm where I am and why I'm, mm. I don't have a partner and why I don't have kids and stuff. Because, you know, I remember back to the times when I did have those things and they were causing problems. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it, it, it's easy enough for me to move past it because I can keep that on the front of my mind,
0: you know. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, if you had to ask one person a question and they had to answer truthfully, who and what would you ask? Oh man. Awkward no, this is probably your father again, isn't it? I
1: guess it probably is. but if you want me to be truthful about it, like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. I mean I guess because everything else is just <clears throat> everything else is just business <laughs> in my life. You know, everything is just business and career. So yeah, it would be it'll be excited about I guess it'd be why, you know? Why did, why did why did you bug on? <laughs> yeah. You know, why weren't you there? I guess and you know, why didn't you come back? And, and all that different stuff. But look at I don't even think the answers would, would suffice. I don't think any he, I don't even think he would have the answers. You know what I mean? I don't think, mm. and I don't think any fathers who have the, whoever left their kids can probably, can give a legitimate answer that actually makes any real sense. The only, the only thing any father in that position can do is just take responsibility for it. Mm. Put a hand up and say, sorry, I wasn't there. Really, you know, um, that's it.
0: And Even at that, it doesn't really cut it. No, it? not yet, because it's like, What? Okay, sound, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> There's a song in that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, don't worry about yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So, don't even stress, it's fine. Uh, who brings you the most <laughs> happiness in your life? Oh, um,
1: that would definitely have to be my friends and my mum, my friends and my mum, um, you know, uh. I don't have a lot of people in my life. I I used to, there was a point where I went around and everybody was my friend and everybody was, you know, I used to have pals with everybody but now I have a very, very, very small circle. I I have like two very, very close friends. uh, Happens as you get older. Yeah, and absolutely. A man's circle gets very small and you have to let people go. Yeah, I mean, you do, you do, as Mm. time's going on and you know, I'm still close with a lot of people, you know, I'm still close with a lot of older friends but I, I don't spend regular time with them and, but, um, I've got like three really close friends that I spend time with, and then my mother is like, you know, one another. She's like my fourth best friend. And outside of that, I don't really spend a lot of time with with many people because, you know, I'm just you know I like you're busy. To, yeah. You're just busy. I'm just busy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just have shit to do. <laughs> no not to be like that, but it's just like you know, it, it, people's energy sucks, suck the life out of me sometimes. You know, and I and. Like I said, I can be intense and I can, I, can be, I, can be, I can have no filter. And if someone's just sitting around the place, moping around me at times and shit like that, like I'll tell them straight, like, or I'll just get up and leave the room. You know, don't be doing that shit around me or stop talking uh, so negatively, you know, and so mm. forth. So for that reason, I keep my circle to, to a minimum and keep it very small and to as many positive people as possible. <laughs> do
0: you believe in God? I don't. And what do you think happens when you die? Um... Like I believe you, in energy, okay.
1: So I believe like the whole world is made up of energy. We all know this. It's, you know, I believe that there's you know there's death and there's proven fact, scientific fact, fact that when any human body dies, a burst of energy leaves the body, and I would consider that the, you know the soul leaving the body of a human. Um. So yeah, it, it, I don't know. That's that's a bit of a mad concept, to be honest. with you. Well.
0: You smoke a bit of weed. Yeah. Did you ever pull a whitey or oh, have one of them I moments yeah. where you... Back in you, the day, I did loads of that, yeah? Did you ever have one where you feel like uh, you're literally part of everything? <laughs> just,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, where like you're just disintegrating. Yeah, and, just melting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, but I, 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 I'm quite an experienced smoker at this point. So, yeah, I kind of, I actually gave up cigarettes and tobacco and all that stuff like three years ago. So, uh, I'm, I'm just on the pure, pure shit now.
0: So, you never had a A mystical experience? No, no,
1: no, not really, no, no. People say I'm very black and white, Um, but I would say there was a point where I was very optimistic and and I I seen the gray area and things and so on and so forth, but I just, you know, when you get to a certain stage in life and you've been through enough and you've seen how things come and go and the realities of everything, you just kind of realize life is very black and white. And I don't mean that in a mundane, sad, shitty way. I just mean things aren't always as complicated as everybody makes them out to be. Mm. You know, you it's usually just yes or no or whatever the case may be. You know, so I think we've dramatically
0: overcomplicated life. As, as I've got older I'm I'm finding everything more complicated <laughs> So it's like uh, yeah atoms used to be small then atoms are protons yeah. and then the bits that the protons are made out of are in four or five places at one time and they only change when the observer looks at them So <laughs> when you look at the double slit experiment it's there it's only real when the observer looks at it, so our perception makes things real What the fuck does that I mean?
1: mean? So everyone can, basically everyone's perception is, a, is different Yeah Exactly 100 so, how you look at me is not, or how I look at you is not the exact same way as somebody else. Like, so, exactly. So, so
0: a, in our plane, this is reality. Well, if you try to explain to an earthworm that there's a sun, there's a mountain, and all these things, they could, be like, what are you talking about? So, it's fucking weird. Yeah. I stay well away from fucking drugs this time because my head's yeah. spinning. Yeah. No, like when, <laughs> it, when
1: it comes to all that stuff, definitely. But I mean, like, also perspective is super, super powerful, like, in, you know, in in everything you're doing, like, in, you know, and that's cultivating a good perspective around what you're doing as well is massively important. And and doing it in the right way helps you progress properly. And these are some other things I've figured out.
0: What would you like to be known for when you die?
1: Oh, I would like to be known for somebody who just stood by what he believed in. You know, I'd like to be someone who just, I just want to be known as just someone who was real, who spoke their shit you know um and achieved some shit along the way and inspired some people you know the greatest thing achievement for me is when i get a dm off somebody or when i get an email or a message saying listen that song that you wrote helped me get through this time or you know what you're doing is amazing it's inspired me to keep writing music and making music and thank you so much for that and that that's the shit that that's the shit for me that really makes what i'm doing worthwhile and then obviously you know this the financial aspect of it down the line being able to look after all my friends like for me my mission and my goal is to build my company to make all of my friends presidents, executives, vice presidents, CEOs I want to make I'd
0: like to put my name down for one of them jobs yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you know, you, but you know what I'm saying like my goal my change. goal is to always build my goal is to build bigger I want to bring opportunities to people like you know I want to get all my friends. I want to give if I can give opportunities to people that's what I want to do and I want to I want to build and I want to give people you know I want to give people optimism for the future I want to give people like re, you know belief in that shit if he can do it, I can do it like you know Jesus that's actually mm. reality you know yeah. for for something and that's that's because people look at some things and just think that's just so far left or so far beyond what I could ever do or achieve or move towards and then they see somebody actually doing it and it makes it real Yeah. so you know being
0: able to do that it's a pipe dream until you see someone that's yeah. in some way connected to exactly. it.
1: Exactly, and even doing this interview, like, you know, I, I do a lot of interviews, but every interview I do, it hasn't been a proper fucking podcast where I get to speak my shit and actually be the real me. Everyone has always was about selling a record or selling or, or you know, trying, not, trying to be PC so you don't upset, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's important, this was coming down and doing this was important to me because I want young artists mm. and young entrepreneurs and young business people, especially in Ireland, who feel like they're hitting dead ends like I did for so many years that there is an opportunity for you to move forward. Just think of a bigger scale and think of the bigger vision and there's a whole world out there that we can do what we're doing here but we can do it in other countries too, in other cities, you know. Um, so I think, you know, people just need to open the horizons a little bit. And take bit their on, own control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, independence is the future. Independence and self-sufficiency. Like right now, the independent record business is, is the, owns the market share. I think it's like 52% for the independent industry right now.
0: It makes it impossible. Yeah, because so, then it's just a machine yeah and it makes there's no diversity in anything yeah absolutely I I, I feel the exact same that's why I, I do the podcast because and I'm not sponsored I sponsor myself yeah but that's <laughs> dope that's yeah. dope because no one tells f- you what to do no one says that yeah no you. one's
1: like don't mention that mm. don't say that because you look bad for our brand our yeah. brand our brand and like you know um, a, but also, you know, if you can, if you're lucky enough to find the right partners who are also on the same wavelength, it's impossible great. for me. Hard, obviously, of
0: course, absolutely impossible. <laughs> 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 when you could come out with a phrase, I wouldn't come in my boot and kick it up into her. <laughs> you are void of all <laughs> sponsorship <laughs> from that moment forward. Oh my god! <laughs> Last question. This is a new one. Okay. Right, That's you're good. you're getting special treatment. This but, one. Okay. This was um, came in from a lot of people. Okay. And it's profound. Okay. When was the last time you shit yourself? (laughs) Like
1: literally or? Literally. 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 Oh wow, Jesus. When I was, I guess when I was a kid. So it's actually Uh,
0: never, thankfully never happened. Unfortunately it happened to me when I was an adult. Oh really? Yeah. And it wasn't even a scudder, it was a really hard one.
1: (laughs) And I swear I wouldn't mind I would actually say it Because it, it actually, cause
0: it's funny shit But no I didn't but that's I, like. It was so embarrassing I was with this girl And I was holding on Farts all day <laughs> And I couldn't wait To get out of the house Going into the car And I was there oh, I'll have this fart And it, I was like oh, fuck There's a turtle head Sticking out So I got into the car And I tore home And I was there Oh fuck It's coming I have to get out. I pulled up inside the road at this riverbank and I just got my trousers half down and it just got me And just this missile fucking <laughs> shit came out. I had to take off my underpants, trousers, go home. I remember walking into the kitchen and daddy and mammy I was pulling down my t shirt to cover me, taking my balls, and daddy was there. What happened to you? So I shipped myself. <laughs> and mammy goes, Were you sick? Have you been sick too? Yes. No. I've hard one. <laughs> and that's my shit story <laughs> oh my god what a way what a way to end the interview but Chris it was brilliant to have you down I was nervous coming doing this because I I, uh, I, I I think you, uh, you're someone famous to me
1: <laughs> well, look thank you
0: for getting so me, um, thanks a cool. million for coming this really appreciate it, and you're a lovely fella and I wish you all the best in the future thank you very much my friend I appreciate you having me no bother thanks a million thank you, man. see ya